Hello, this is the pharmacy. May I help you? Can I speak to the pharmacist? The pharmacist is currently with another customer. I'm a pharmacy technician. Is there anything I can help you with? No, I need to speak with a pharmacist. I understand, sir. Can you share with me what this is regarding? No, I need to speak with the pharmacist. I'm putting you on hold. One minute, sir. Hello, this is the pharmacist. How may I help you? What time do you close? I need to drop off my script. Um, 8 p.m., sir. Is there anything else I can help you with? Hello? Hello? You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the PGX for Pharmacists podcast. We believe pharmacists are the best positioned providers to lead in PGX. Pharmacogenomics is the study of how genes affect a person's response to drugs. This relatively new field combines pharmacology and genomics to develop effective, safe medications and doses that will be tailored to a person's genetic makeup. This podcast is dedicated to pharmacists with an interest in learning more about the data analytics, industry trends, and evidence-based usage of pharmacogenomics. Welcome to PGX for Pharmacists, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Interesting report came out from the American Journal of Pharmaceutical Education. This was dated in 2018. Um, I think it was spring. And it was from Dr. Rebecca uh, Marchanek and Dr. Megan Paris, both PharmDs. Um, and it was an interesting study that they published. And the title was Pharmacogenomics Education Improves Pharmacy Student Perceptions of Their Abilities and Their Roles in Its Use. And we know on this network that pharmacogenomics has been a big topic, a rising topic. We started PGX for Pharmacists in early 2018. And before that, we were talking about pharmacogenomics, but really didn't have uh, any subject matter experts to drill down into its application. The study of how genetics are affecting patients' response to medications and the potential to improve pharmacotherapy and allowing for a better understanding of the disease state that they are surrounded in is a stress reliever, not only for the patient, but the physician and, of course, the pharmacist that's part of this. Pharmacists have to drive this science. There is several technologies rising in PGX in, in putting that in the hands of the pharmacist and taking it to the physician and really uh, digging down into medications one of them is called PharmaZam, who has 130,000 SKUs attached to its database where a, um, a consumer with their iPhone, with their phone, could walk up to really any of those medications in over-the-counter or something through a specific NDC code, place that information into the application, and realize from a scale from bright red to bright green with orange and yellow in the middle, if the efficacy of that specific uh, medication is good for their specific gene type. Now, I know that sounds controversial, and I know there's probably lots of pharmacists and maybe even a couple of physicians who 
cringe at the thought because you start thinking about Dr. Google and patients out there trying to diagnose themselves, but that's not what this is about. This is about uh, gradually educating patients about their DNA and letting them know they need to be in conversations with their physician and their pharmacists in order to have what's best for them ongoing. And today we're going to be talking with a student, a P4 from the St. Louis College of Pharmacy and Dr. Sarami, um, who's returning to her show, PGX for Pharmacists. Dr. Sarami, how are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me again. Very, very excited to have you again. Introduce uh, your P4 uh, student that you have with us today. Very excited that she's here. Yes, I'm very excited as well. So um, going a little bit back, uh, there's not a lot of pharmacogenomics rotation in schools. And so I offered to create a curriculum for a P4 student um, for St. Louis College of Pharmacy, and it was accepted, thankfully. So I have here with me a P4 student. It's her rotation with me five weeks. Her name is Macy Kester. And so we're very excited to have her. And I'm going to have her introduce herself, but she, uh, her rotation has mostly been all clinical side. This is the first non-clinical and actual virtual rotation. So I'm sure she's excited, but um, I'm also excited for her. And uh, I'll let her introduce herself. Hello, um, my name is Macy. Um, I'm excited to be here. Like Banaz said, I am a P4 student. This is my last rotation. Um, this is way different than all my other rotations have been um, given this year and all, you know, the pandemic and everything's been kind of flipped upside down. So I was never expecting to have this rotation, but I'm really, really glad that I was able to get it. Um, it's been such a cool experience, such a different experience trying to see all the different kinds of pharmacy out there. Like she said, most of my rotations thus far have been clinical in hospitals, different outpatient settings. Um, so this was really kind of a refreshing difference from that and seeing another side of pharmacy um, that I could be involved in. Yeah, awesome. Macy, why do you think pharmacogenomics is an important part of the future of where pharmacy and the role of the pharmacist is going? So I think, you know, over the last five weeks, learning more about this, because I really, I had no idea anything about pharmacogenomics, like start from scratch, had nothing. Um, so over the past five weeks, I've been able to kind of, you know, learn what it's about, learn how important it could be. And I think it's really important in the sense of as we, um, you know, we grow in medicine and technology, uh, I think that the future of medicine really is geared towards personalized medicine and kind of getting away from that, you know, one size fits all like drug approach, you know, what works for someone may not work for everyone. Um, and I think realizing that and being able to utilize that on certain drugs um, can really provide more of effective therapy. And I mean, overall, you know, cost savings, more patient compliance, uh, less adverse effects, um, just based on simple things um, like knowing which drug to use, which versus which not to use. 
Dr. Sarami, when do you think in pharmacy school, P1, P2, P3, P4, the intensity, at that P4 level, they really start thinking, so what do I want to be? Do I want to be a community pharmacist? Do I want to go into geriatrics? Do I want to go into developing artificial intelligence or digital therapeutics? Or do I want to go to health system or become a hospital pharmacist? When do you think we should be introducing PGX to our pharmacy students? I think it should be in the curriculum itself because once we're learning about all these, because um, we take four years of ther therapeutic uh, classes about each drug class and the disease state. So it'd be kind of nice to, if we're doing any disease state, to kind of inject that in each um, course because it's it's a lot of information. You can't just get that in, um, you know, hopefully five weeks, but it, it's a lot of information, a lot of details that you should, we should be knowing. So it's kind of, we get it, getting it ingrained in our system, in our brain before we actually get onto rotation. That way it's, the reason I say that is that way when we're trying to select our rotation and we have a more, um, we've already, we have more information to maybe select our rotations more accordingly instead Instead, when I was in school, I have no idea that this would this was a thing. Otherwise, I would have picked different rotations, um, you know, based on my interests. So I didn't really know until towards the end. Um, so it would, I think, in school inside the uh, curriculum, there should be in there. So, in my opinion, what drives actual application is our consumers our patients, 300 million Americans, which is what we're focused on right now. We understand pharmacogenomics is all over the world. I think there's other countries that are probably leading in it. I don't even know if the United States really leads in it. We'll have to look up that as uh, referenceable research. However, we don't want on one side pros and cons. We don't want patients running around diagnosing themselves. Uh, we know that's disastrous. We know that we always make, you know, reference or, or, or fun in saying, hey, don't, don't use Dr. Google to diagnose yourself. So an application like Pharmazam, for example, that does put pharmacogenomic reporting and information in the hands of the patients to be able to scan a SKU, a barcode on the shelf and see if, it, if it's listed within the database, if it's uh, going to be a slow metabolizer, if it's gonna metabolize normally, and if it's a good idea to be taking it based on a color scale, what's the pros and cons of that, uh, Dr. Sarami? Well, I think it has a lot of pros because it's just like if we pick up an Advil or ibuprofen over the counter and we flip it over and look at the back of what it can happen, what are the things to watch out for, when's the best time to take it. It's really more information. It doesn't mean if 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 the things are on there, whether it's side effects or, you know, it says don't take this if you're on any other blood thinners. It's just an information piece that it guides based, it guides a, a person or a consumer to pick out maybe ibuprofen versus Advil. So I think, um, well, or, or Tylenol, I'm sorry, or Tylenol. So I think it's a good information for consumers to learn because it's not telling them based on that app that you're talking about or information that you can't take this because you could be, um, um, like, I don't know, 2D6 normal metabolizer. It, it just gives you information so you can decide better. And if you want, have that conversation with the provider. So I think just it's just educational. It doesn't tell you know the consumer what to do. It just gives them information. So I think it's got a lot of value. Um, so the cons, I really 
the only thing I can think of is more the logistics on how that would work, you know, the cost of it and things like that. But outside of that, I can't think of anything that that could be bad. Education has always been key for everybody. Macy, what about you? I know that you, and as being someone who is is razor close to becoming a doctor of pharmacy and the opinions that you've read, uh, family members who have come to you for advice, friends who know that you're um, you know, taking on this huge responsibility and this oath in the future to protect the lives of, of your patients. How do you feel about putting um, information um, about PGX, about a patient's genes in the hands of, of a consumer? Um, you know, after being like, for example, in my family, I'm one of the only ones to go to college. So everybody thinks every time they got a medical question, they come to me. And whether I know it or not, they're, they're coming to me. And kind of what I've realized throughout like this rotation, for example, one of my projects was to um, kind of like do like a, a fake report on my mom and her medications. Um, and do like a medication action plan. And just, I always try and think of every, every patient as my mom, <laughs> because she's one of those people who does have a pretty low health literacy. So I think, you know, like Banas said, education is the most important thing. So that's really what pharmacists need to take on as a role um, to make sure the patients are understanding what exactly, you know, is going to happen with the PGX, how to kind of you know, sell it in a way that the patient is comfortable, their understanding um, of what they're going to, uh, what it's basically entailing. And really having the pharmacist be educated is, that's the first step. Um, because, I mean, I know a lot of people I'm in school with, they had no idea what this rotation was. They, they're like, what is pharmacogenomics? And, you know, those are people who are about to graduate too. So it's just having that extra insight as a provider, um, as like one of healthcare's most accessible provi providers as a pharmacist, to have that education, to be able to kind of explain things at a patient level and then turn right back around and explain things as a provider level. Um, so I really, I agree with Banaz with the, the main, the most important thing is being well-informed, being education, being educated on every level. The paper that I referenced, which was once again, I'll put this in the show notes, pharmacogenomics education improves pharmacy student perceptions of their abilities and roles in its use. Um, the Western New England University, WNE, is one of the schools that were referenced in this study. And those were the students that were asked um, about PGX and all, as well as collecting data from uh, their experience in a specific course that kind of dug into what PGX does and how it can be used um, by pharmacists as, as the medication experts. What I can't help but to think and believe when I, when I read this report and I listen to pharmacy students' um, interpretation of of what they want to do, uh, of all of the information that's flowing at them. You know, I don't think that pharmacy students gets an, gets enough information on uh, the business side of pharmacy, um, how you're going to be paid in the future. Is it going to be based on the script? It's going to be based on the outcome. Um, that's all, of course, in flux. However, if we think about um, PGX, I think it is so vast. I think there's so much to do in it. There is no reason 
that a health system, a um, a large group of pharmacies like uh, Publix down, which is a part of a grocery store chain down in the south, or Giant Eagle pharmacy uh, grocery stores and pharmacy up here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, or or any of the other of the big chains, shouldn't have PGX specialists as part of their entire operations and using that PGX specialist as someone who can constantly be referenced within that organization. I think community pharmacy is the easiest to implement it because community pharmacies independently owned can do whatever they want. Um, but we have to return to the education first. And therefore, do you think with all the pharmacy schools, and I know this is controversial, some will say there's too many pharmacy schools and they're just trying to pump out as many PharmD degrees as possible in order to collect the money. And there's something to be said about that. And then we could argue about that, but that's not what today's episode's about. However, if you have a bunch of pharmacy schools, I can't remember how many there actually are. Why don't some of those pharmacy schools become experts in specific, specific disciplines, whether that be pediatrics? whether that be digital therapeutics and how do we use digital therapeutics to dig deeper into disease states. PGX, you could get it your, your, your PharmD and then you could get your PharmD PGX and that's what the, the little uh, letters beside your name would be. It would be you are an expert in pharmacogenomics. So what do you think of that, Benaz, of, of, of taking disciplines and taking pharmacy schools and having the pharmacy, the pharmacy student track one, you know, P1 through P3. And then when the P4 comes, they could choose to become a specialist in something. I think that's great. I didn't think about that idea as you were talking. I'm thinking about it, imagining what that would have looked like for me. And that would have been awesome because a lot of uh, a lot of us coming out and I can't speak for everybody, but and my peers, uh, as we went through school, we we really thought is either community or hospital, I, I, you know. But right now at this stage, um, and I've done this with the curriculum with Macy, I've introduced her to all other different types of pharmacists, so she can actually have a conversation with a functional medicine um, pharmacist, uh, with the nutrigenomics pharmacist, someone else that does PGX in a different type of setting in a. Um, pharmacists or you know there's so much that is out there that you can do but we don't know and we're not exposed to it so we wouldn't have known to even ask or research about it so i think this this would be a great idea um that i think that's brilliant in spite of the numerous advances in personalized medicine and even the news picks up on that personalized medicine it's like almost like a buzzword um but regardless of the numerous advances over the last uh, decade there is a knowledge gap specifically for pharmacogenomics education and in its use in clinical practice. You could split hairs with regards to its usage. We could talk about senior care in PGX, which I think mm -hmm. is the, the, the red, the flashing red light is for geriatrics. I think that's where PGX could have the, the, the biggest impact, the, the quickest impact with the largest group of, of patients based on United States, uh, our nation's demographics of our people. However, there's still specialists that are going to be needed in the absorption of medications ongoing because the next layer of PGX, which is, is even, even more complex, 
and I hope that Dr. Becky Winslow might even ch chime on this as well, is when there, when there are cancers that a patient is suffering, sometimes those cancers can literally alter a patient's DNA. And now you almost, in my opinion, without being educated in PGX, would have to start all over again because now the patient's um, genetic makeup has been altered based on the cancers. But Oz, have you ever really gotten into what happens after a patient is impacted by cancers and, and what happens to their, their genes? Um, not specifically that part, but with PGX I have. So meaning that you know, some people who are on cancer therapy, they haven't done a PGX and the medication they use specifically uses a certain enzyme that it's not really, it's a poor metabolizer or some something like that, um, or a ultralapid metabolizer. And that same medication that's supposed to help them with their cancer is actually detrimental and has actually made them lose their life. So by, by just doing a PGX report on especially cancer, like you talked about cancer and uh, seniors, those are the two hot um, places to actually implement PGX. So not specifically the part that you were talking about, but actually knowing that medication that you're taking for a life-threatening illness that you have is actually key because that itself can kill you. Very interesting. So where do we go from here to really start? I think it has to be grassroots. I think, um, you know, students like Macy have to be excited about it. We have to go mm -hmm. back to our deans of colleges and we have to say, is there value for the St. Louis College of Pharmacy to invest in a program to enable and promote and have in their literature that there's an opportunity at the appy form, I suppose is a good way to start to, to dive into a PGX rotation specifically. But then we have to find a place to put it. Are we doing PGX in community pharmacy, which is probably the widest of all of them because that would involve anyone that took a medication. Whereas if you dove into a specific patient uh, subset, I think we could dive in a little bit more deep into that specific occurrence um, and, and, and what's happening in the, in the patient. But um, Macy, what do you think? Do you think that PGX should become an ongoing um, rotation opportunity just like you do a residency at a hospital system? Or do you think it should go further where you could become a specialist in the science? So I think that if more students kind of knew about it, there would be a lot of interest actually. I know just from my friends that I've told and you know, my coworkers that I've told and everything about the rotation, every single one of them has been like, wow, that's so cool. That's so interesting. I didn't know that existed. And so I think if there was more opportunity and like kind of, you know, the chance to do it, I think a lot of people would be really interested. So I think it could really start out in a pharmacy school sometime in the professional years as, you know, maybe like, um, like an elective um, that students could choose to do kind of be exposed to that sort of pharmacy um, over the course of maybe a semester or so. And then based on that, they would have, you know, more of an idea of what it is. And then they could choose to do a um, rotation in their final year based on it, kind of like how I'm doing. Um, now, I think this is, if I am correct, I think this is the only pharmacogenomics rotation that my school offers. 
um, in particular. And it's obviously, Banal said she just set it up. It's brand new. So I'm her first student. I think that there's a lot of room to grow in that. And I think that students would like it. I think, you know, a lot of the times we get so pushed towards community, so pushed towards, you know, hospital, so pushed towards residency that there's a whole another door of things that hasn't been even opened. Um, and I think that the school, like, kind of promoting that they offer some sort of, like, specialty kind of electives and rotations in pharmacogenomics would not only set the school apart, but it would really set the students apart as well, because it really just kind of, it also solidifies our knowledge in these kinds of, like, interactions with drugs that, you know, we would have to know anyway. Um, and so I think really it would be, it would be beneficial to start out as like, as an elective in your maybe earlier P1, P2, P3 years. Um, and then be able to do in a rotation with it later on. Awesome. Well, Dr. Sarami, thank you so much for arranging this. The future of pharmacy are our students. And um, Macy, pharmacy, take it from me. I've been watching pharmacy since 2004. It will not be the same five years from now as it is right now. And it wasn't the same 10 years ago. And it's changing. It's actually pharmacy and the role of the pharmacist is changing very quickly. And we're watching what's happening at our state and federal levels and paying attention to how pharmacists are paid. And I'm an advocate of not being paid by the prescription. Let's get rid of those prescription fees and, and commoditizing the pharmacists because we don't commoditize physicians. We don't commoditize our nurse practitioners. There are um, ICD-10 codes, which tell you what the process that they're involved in and how that process is being paid for. That's how they're paid. And there is ICD-10 codes out there that are running through the, the, the gauntlet of all things electronic health records that will identify that specific procedure with what a pharmacist does. So I want you to become an advocate, Macy, for us as the future of pharmacy to be paying pharmacists for the value that they are, doctors of pharmacy, champions of medication management, that you are paid as a provider because that's what you are. You are a provider, and I want you to always believe in that. I'm your number one fan, always will be. Um, I absolutely love pharmacists and what you do. The impact that you could have on our healthcare system is completely untapped because you're being held back by this payment system. But regardless, PGX is one of my most favorite topics to, um, to, to talk about. If you're a pharmacy student and you are fascinated by pharmacogenomics, the impact of medications on your genes compared to your mother's, compared to your friend, compared to the physician that you're working alongside. This is a big, huge opportunity for pharmacists that want to become specialists in PGX. And like I said, the future is undetermined and don't ever, ever allow someone to tell you that you can't take your PharmD education and move into a sector that is, um, is a pioneer opportunity for you to do something that's never been done before. I was told that podcasting would never become its own business for me, and here I am uh, 12 years later advocating for the absolute incredible 
um, pharmacists' uh, capabilities and, and what they do for patients. So once again, don't ever let someone tell you that you can't do something that you believe in that you know uh, can have a great outcome on people that you need you and, and who needs you most and the people that you work for, Macy, is not the pharmacy. It's not the health system. It's not uh, 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 Dr. Sarami when she forms her own company. It's the patient. The patient is your boss. The patient who is who ultimately pays you. So make sure that you keep them in your sights and in your prayers and in your practice and push, push, push for information and never stop learning. But um, I thank you both. This has been an amazing conversation. Hey, we want to thank you for listening to another episode of PGX for Pharmacists. Please find all of our episodes by going to pgx4rx.com. Once again, that's pgx4rx.com. If you have a specific subject that has something to do with PGX, or if you'd like to reach out to another school of pharmacy and you're listening to right now, if you're at a school of pharmacy that doesn't have a specific inroad to uh, developing more information about becoming a PGX specialist, please reach out to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Send us an email at publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. And um, please contact us for anything. We are here for you, the pharmacist, the pharmacy technician. It is important what you're doing, especially right now in this day and age with our pandemic. We love you, we care about you, and we always thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thanks for your interest in PGX and for spending some time with us. Please share this podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For all of our episodes, please visit pgx4rx.com. That's pgx4rx.com.